The following program contains medium coarse language and traces of nuts. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Comedians, experts, laughing at the world as it burns down around us. Live from the World Science Festival in Brisbane, this is a rational fear. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has announced an audacious net zero plan which includes no working light bulbs of the Gabba by 2030. And it's been revealed that Martian soil may have all the nutrients to grow rice. Move over Mars Rover. The next vehicle to go to the surface of Mars will be a sushi train. And samples of an asteroid collected by the Japanese probe Ryugu have tested positive for a component of RNA. Less surprising, the asteroid also tested positive for HPV. Everyone's got it. <laughs> Live from the World Science Festival in Brisbane, this is a rational fear! This is a rational fear. Welcome to Rational Fear, I'm your host, former head of the CSIRO's Department of Compromise, Dan Illich, and this is the podcast that laughs in the face of humanity's biggest challenges, and we are at the World Science Festival in Brisbane. I have no idea why, they let us come, let's just call it an experiment and we'll move on. Um, let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Not content with making jokes on stage, she decided she wanted to join the Jokers in Parliament, it's comedian and former candidate for the Greens, Mandy Nolan. Tonight, Mandy, you're going to be talking about uh, conspiracy theories. What's your favourite? My favourite would be when someone put on the community Facebook page where I live, um, asking for a diet of how to get the trackers out of the meat that's <laughs> out, out, out Woolies. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that one. All right. Now, you would have seen her on The 100, you would have seen her on Would I Lie To You, you would have seen her on Question Everything, uh, but to anyone under the age of 30, she provides the moral authority that is mum on TikTok. Please give it up for Mel Buttle. Woo! Hello. Mel, you're going to be talking through science and maths as they are a core part of the STEM education system, but are they necessary? No, not at all. No. <laughs> and he is one of Australia's most powerful satirical comedians, which is why the government tells the ABC that he can only perform once a fortnight for two minutes at a time. From 7.30, it's Mark Humphreys. <laughs> Mark, if the government were allowed you to, to perform once a week on the ABC, what would happen? Oh, the columnists at News Corp would lose their mind. <laughs> uh, and here you is your... They haven't lost their mind. <laughs> <laughs> After the New South Wales election, they've lost nearly everything. Um... Oh, look at the... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. This just... is the insider's audience I've come to love. Um... <laughs> I'm so glad there's no disgusting, pig-like, filthy News Corp columnist sitting on this very panel tonight. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, we forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You let me into your little lefty conference. <laughs> <laughs> got uh, we've got... Oh, that's right. Yeah. I've always thought you were a mole. Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. Our next uh, fearmonger has a very particular set of skills that she has acquired over a very long career, skills that make her a nightmare for undiscovered planets. She's discovered more planets than any woman alive or dead. She is Jessie Christensen! Hey! Dr. Jessie Christensen, my mistake. Uh, the good doctor, tell us, um, if you're a planet out there, what's the best way to stay hidden? Well, I think we're going to hear about some gas stove controversy tonight, and most planets that we found have a lot of gas, so I would just say dump that gas as fast as yes, possible. Yes, yeah, good, good policy everywhere. Dump that gas, yes. yes. Uh, yeah. And when it comes to science and Triple J, there's only one man that comes to mind, and that's Dr Carl. Uh, and our next guest has met Dr Carl. It's Lewis Hopper. Lewis Hopper. 
Is this true? You've met Dr. Carl? I have met Dr. Carl, but he has um, face blindness. Uh, so he hasn't remembered me once. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Prosopronegia or something like that? Uh, Dan, <laughs> we leave those sorts of words to the side. <laughs> also I, up on stage tonight, we've got DJ Dylan Bain from the News Fighters podcast. Woo! Coming up later in the podcast, we're going to be grilling Jesse about aliens and the most affordable places to buy a home in the universe. But first, here is a message from this week's sponsor. Irrational Fear and Audible presents David Attenborough reading the AR6 report from the IPCC. Uncensored, unplugged and unhinged. Human activities, principally through emissions of greenhouse gases, have unequivocally caused global warming. You see, I told you, I f***ing told you all. Near the moment, the BAFTA award-winning naturalist's brain explodes. With global surface temperatures reaching 1.1 degrees centigrade. How many f***ing documentaries do I need to f***ing make? Experience the frustration of someone who's given their life to the pursuit of truth in the face of unbridled capitalism. Deep, rapid and sustained reductions in greenhouse gas emissions would lead to a discernible slowdown in global warming within around two decades. Discernible? I'll be dead in two f***ing decades. How about I give you all a discernible reduction in me? It's what could be David Attenborough's last great audiobook. Oh, f*** it, that's it. I'm getting into crypto. <laughs> now available on Audible. Download the app and start listening today. The only podcast made entirely by artificial intelligence. A rational fear. This week's first fear, the culture wars are evolving. No one does culture wars like Americans, and now there's a new front you can enlist in. You're probably familiar with all the other culture wars and how they kind of um, break down the middle of kind of political boundaries, left versus right, uh, Democrat versus Republican. Uh, for instance, you're either in favour of guns or you're in favour of graduating primary school. Um, <laughs> either you're in favour of universal health care or you're in favour of selling a kidney to pay for a Band-Aid. Either you think masks will help curb COVID-19 or you think drinking bleach will. Um, and, but there's one thing that both of these groups can agree on, and that is the solution to most of these problems involves thinking and praying a lot. Um, now, there is a new weapon in the culture wars, or a new front, and um, have, your, have your lighters ready. It's all about gas. Yeah, gas stoves. Specifically, natural gas stoves. In, now, in January this year, when an official from the US Consumer Product Safety Commission made an offhand comment in a podcast that if gas stoves couldn't be made safe, they would consider a ban. Americans on the right lost their collective brains because, like toddlers, if Americans are told not to touch a stove, <laughs> that's what they want to do. They want to touch it more. <laughs> um, you can imagine it, can't you? You know, like, people, like, on the right going, oh, if the White House comes to my gas stove, they can pry it out of my cold, dead hands. Um, some of you laughed. Um, <laughs> but but that's, uh, that's what point. happened. Uh, here's Ronnie Jackson from Texas. He absolutely said that. Uh, if the maniacs in the White House come for my stove, they can pry it from my cold, dead hands. Come and take it. Surely uh, if you're touching a gas stove and your hands are cold, it's already gone. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> uh, Ronnie Jackson, he's from Texas, but he sounds familiar. Where is this Ronnie Jackson guy from again? How do we know Ronnie Jackson? Uh, the congressman and former chief medical advisor to President Trump. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> um, Ted Cruz even passed a bill, uh, the Gas Stove Protection <laughs> and Freedom Act, uh, as if gas stoves were some kind of, like, uh, founding father but, was, like, but were also an endangered species. And uh, congratulations to everyone in the audience who had gas stoves having more rights than women this year in America. Well done. <laughs> Celebrity chefs got into the protests and attached themselves to their own gas stoves. Oh, my God. <laughs> in response to the Biden administration's suggested proposal to ban all natural gas stoves, stoves in households, commercial kitchens, I have taped myself to the stove and I will stay taped to this stove until the idea is completely eliminated from everybody's minds. I'll be oh. here. 
Nothing says commitment like sticky tape, does it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you'll agree there. But that'd be, that'd be great for his dating profile. Ladies, a man who tapes himself to the stove. <laughs> what will he do for your love life? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's uh, really like if you go to like lock the gate or something in Australia where they're handcuffing themselves <laughs> to like Velcro ourselves to the gate. <laughs> They'll never take us alive, bit pigs. <laughs> Almost committed, yeah. Uh, this is what they're fighting for, right? So recent studies in the United States and in Australia have shown that gas stoves were responsible for 12% of childhood asthma cases. That's kind of comparable to living with a smoker. And also, when cooking without ventilation, dangerous levels of gas build up in the home, and that is comparable to living with a Sky News viewer. Um, <laughs> I'd, I think I'd prefer the second-hand smoke, to be honest. Um, and let's not forget... Oh, sorry, Mel. Um, is that OK? Yeah. Right, right, and let's not, forget, let's not forget that natural gas is just methane with a new name, right? It, it's, it, it's the product name for gas, you know, much like natural coal, natural crude oil and natural uranium. Yum, 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 yum. Um, natural. Yum, yum, yum. Um, and here's the thing. Natural gas is 80 times more potent as a greenhouse gas than CO2. Uh, it traps heat, uh, but a great, much greater length, but also for a shorter period of time. So next time you fart, please, hashtag keep it in. Um... Dan, do you, know, do you know where most of the methane in the atmosphere comes from? No, I assumed it was McDonald's. <laughs> uh, you're, you're pretty close. It's cow farts. Yes, cow farts. Yes, yeah. the, the, all of the, head, the herds of cattle around the world farting all the time. And That's where the methane I comes understand. from. Yes. Mm, so yep. you're saying we should um, tape ourselves to a cow's ass, is that <laughs> <laughs> uh, To keep it in. <laughs> yeah, You'll have to pry this cow's ass out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> Why did Nothing it... weird, but I'm just going to put my tummy in here. <laughs> Lewis, hashtag keep it in. <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell us that burning fossil fuels in your home could be bad for your health and the environment? It's almost as if there's a group of well-organised Rich people intent on selling us a product that kills us. Oh, how retro. Um, <laughs> here's the thing, though. This is the crazy thing, right? The American Gas Association they, says they don't actually even want to sell that much gas. What they're interested in doing is providing the infrastructure to sell gas. What they want to do is get politicians to mandate that gas infrastructure be attached to every home as an option, because that's where the money is, building the stuff. You know, in Australia, that means uh, that's about five million homes that have... Uh, gas pipelines terminating at their houses. But what about Australian politicians? What do they even like gas? Uh, gas. 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 Yeah, I had to when I was going with Banty in the Greens. We have to say colon. We have to say stop colon gas a lot, like about five hundred days times a day. I got to the point where I said. It's so much, I have to stop coal and gas. What have you been doing? I've been stopping coal and gas on and on, like filling up my diesel Jeep. <laughs> and they've been going, stopping coal and gas. I went to an osteopath and he said, I've got to do a manoeuvre and it might actually release some coal and gas. And, <laughs> and I know that's why you've got to stop it. Because um, <laughs> it's scary. In Australia, you know, we, we laughed at the bleach joke before, but... You know, during COVID, I don't know if you remember, this government thought they could stop COVID by building a gas pipeline. Uh, the gas-led recovery was something that was designed to stop a respiratory disease. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. Um, but it was only it was only gas to the node, though, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the gas industry isn't taking this lying down. They've seen a lot of this research come out, so they've got the influencers on board. They're encouraging and paying influencers to post with the hashtag cooking with gas. We've got some wonderful influencers up here who are cooking with gas, um, which is amazing. And here's a, here's a slide from the campaign brief to the influencers. They want to target sub-segments during key moments in time, like summer, autumn, Winter, spring, I think what they're trying to say is all the time. Um, uh, summer, promising families. You can see, I wonder what they're actually promising these families, like a 12% rise in asthma or total ecological destruction. It's hard to tell. And here, is, uh, here are some Australian accounts as well. You'll find some wonderful posts from block contestants. This woman doing gas fueled yoga, here she is. You can see her here in the sellout pose. Um, <laughs> and if you look carefully, she's got very inflexible morals. Um, 
don't worry, don't worry. This person actually isn't real. She's just a stock photo that the gas companies use. It's really, this is the most authentic and engaging idea that the gas industry has had since they released a rap video in 1988 called Cooking With Gas. I'm going to play some of it for you. I should stress this is real. The thing goes for four minutes. Um, don't worry, we'll, we'll get out of it before then. <laughs> Cooking with gas. gas. Cooking with gas. gas. We all cook better when we're cooking with gas. gas. Gas is so hot it's not on when it's off. It's the only way to cook. That's what I was taught. Now here's a fact you should have to know to pass. Now nine out of ten chefs only cook with gas. Why is that, you say? Can I cook my way? The benefits we have to tell will really make your day. So listen, class, because we're going to go fast. Here are all of the reasons you should cook with gas. I cook with gas because I'm in control. The flame could be a adjusted. And look, the there, there are a lot of reasons to cook with gas. It, it, it keeps going. Like, poor Olive Hobart just even hates it. She's crying already. Oh. I, I know, Olive. I know, darling. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but I want you to know that... Um, uh, it's a real rap. Uh, they're the full lyrics. You can, you can look them up <laughs> online if you want to. It really exists. They press, they've even printed a vinyl. Um, even the phrase, now you're cooking with gas, it's been around a long time. It's been in advertising for ages. Back in 1939, a gas executive coined it and gave it to... Uh, sorry, Olive. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bye. Sorry, Olive. Yeah, because that's her future. <laughs> <laughs> She's noticeably She's upset about it. the gas. I would like the gas wiggle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> bizarre. Well, I mean, you're from Queensland. You know, there's a character in, in Bundaberg. Uh, he dresses up as Cole and he wishes the kids good night on Channel 7. Uh, it's just like... I think, I think that's the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Part of my brain went, how do I get the gig? That would be, <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. So 1939, it was coined by a gas executive and he got it on radio shows, Jack Benny and Bob Hope, and that's where Now You're Cooking With Gas came from, way back in 1939. Ah, oh, 1939, remember that? It was uh, back when CO2 in the atmosphere was only 311 parts per million. Oh. Uh, the point is, it's taken 80 years and this is slowly changing, right? The narrative around gas is changing. But what the Electrify Everything crowd need is not more reports, they kind of just need a wrap. To do that, we made one. We found some of the same people who were in the 1988 rap. Um, it was hard, not everyone was available, understandably. Um, uh, mercifully, it doesn't go for four minutes. So uh, let's, uh, let's roll the tape. Cooking with gas, cooking with gas. Do you regret making an ad that was cooking with gas? At first I thought that gas was cool until I got held back in school. Diagnosed with asthma, low cognition, ADHD. No wonder I get distracted. What's that other thing? Cooking with gas, cooking with gas. We've all got problems because we're cooking with gas. Carbon monoxide, nitrogen dioxide, particulate matter of fact, my favourites from aldehyde. Killer substances are entering your brain. Because you're cooking in your house with an open flame. Cooking with gas, cooking with gas. Our bodies are off because we're cooking with gas. What's up? I'm a big gas man. Telling politicians to use gas whenever they can. To reduce damages to our bank balance. Could crack your... even rename me facts to make it seem natural. Killing with gas, killing with gas. Methane accelerates global warming, so we're killing with gas. Gas. Killing with gas. Please give it up for Mandy Nolan. Ah, oh, thank you. Uh, something that Dan didn't tell you is that I come from a little town in northern New South Wales called Mullumbimby. Do you know it? <laughs> thank you. People there judge me. They go, look at you all up yourself with your registered car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Driving my immunised children to Centrelink. <laughs> it's not a big line-up where I am. But... You would have seen when I, when I was running last year, I think it was about a year ago, it was a big push because we had a lot, a lot of cons conspiracists. Does anyone, do you have, have anyone, because we, we know them, like I have a friend, that's one, 
you know, she's a with, but she's still <laughs> a friend. And what happens is, like, in a city, like, you can, you don't need to keep... In a small area, you've got to keep your fuckwits close. Um, so she, like, she gets freaked out. Like, she'd go to me. She goes, don't get vaccinated. She goes, that's the government trying to give you 5G. And I said, what? And she goes, it's a self-assembling chip, Mandy. It's a gel chip. It comes in and then it goes around and assembles in your body. And I went, are you saying the government's doing this? She goes, yeah. I mean, is that the same government that can't get fibre optic cable to my home? That, <laughs> <laughs> that government? I went, you're talking them up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd be really impressed. I was so impressed because I thought I'm going to get all the vaccinations because I live in a regional area. Coverage is Ah. <laughs> uh, and I thought, next time I come out for a campaign, I can go, like, tether to my d***s. Like, I'll... <laughs> I'll be the human example of connectivity. Like, come on! But she gets... This particular friend gets freaked out. And I knew... I drove in the other day, and you, you know when you see, like, I saw, I saw, like, a big plume in the sky, and I went, oh, f The chemtrail people are going to be busy today. Because she... She would freak out every time I put a picture of a cloud because there's, a, I don't know, I can see there's a lot of menopausal women here and when you, you reach an age where you see a cloud and you went, oh, I have to photograph that. People will want to see that on Facebook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is ironic because the sky is like the original fucking internet. We can all see it. Uh, hard to comment on. And so I put, every time I put a cloud up, she's straight off. She's bang on it, going, oh, my God. She goes, that's not, that's not a cloud, Bendy. That's, that's a chemtrail. And I have to say, like, she didn't study kind of... She, she didn't do... She's not working for the bomb. She didn't study meteorology <laughs> or... You know, I think she did massage at TAFE. Ah! <laughs> she didn't finish. Ah! Uh, and she's always going, that, that's a cloud, you know, that's, so that's a chemtrail. So what do you think is happening? She goes, oh, that's the government spraying us. And I said, why? She goes, oh, to dumb us down. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that would be a waste of spray. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to love, though. Oh, this, this is true. This is all true. You've got to love the confidence of a community. Like where I live, like there's 3,000 people, probably max, sort of living in the little region in the country town. And you're going, that we actually think we're being sprayed. We're that subversive. The government's like, oh, f get in the plane again. We're going to have to, come on, Barry, we're going to have to f***ing spray Mullumbimby again. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish, like, I've lived there for 20, 30 years and people aren't big believers in the chemicals, you know, as far as deodorant, etc. Um, and I understand that, I do get it. But sometimes in summer, I think, what are they spraying? Could they just put some Rexona in there? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so good. Fearmongers, what's up with this conspiracy theorists in Australia? Like, are we, are we seeing more of them because of social media or are there actually more of them, do you think? I reckon there's actually more of them. I've been... There was a New South Wales election. I was out. I was at the polls, um, sort of handing out. And <laughs> there's some batshit crazy people uh, <laughs> that, that are there. There was one guy and he was, like, they're handing out for the kind of completely... One guy's theory was, and this is his theory, we are going, what do you do? He, he wants to do logging, but he goes, what do you do about the koalas? He goes, you take the koalas out cut the forest down and put the koalas back on the stumps. Uh, and he told me he worked for 30 years um, in bio-warfare. And I went, you fucking did not. Uh, but he got 8,000 votes wow. in my electorate. He got 8,000 votes? Oh, maybe 5,000. I just added a few extra. I did Does my research. Does he think bio-warfare is taking koalas out of forest and cutting it down and putting a koala back? Like, maybe he just doesn't know what bio-warfare is. Oh, where I live amongst the hippies, that fucking is bio-warfare. You, <laughs> you touch a koala, it's done. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, bio koalas have got chlamydia, so it's Throwing koalas at your enemy oh, yeah. is a good yeah, way yeah. of That's doing right. bio Catapult. warfare. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, what worried me during the, the pandemic is that it made me think that actually maybe we are all conspiracy theorists. We're just waiting for the global event to unlock it in us. Um, <laughs> and so that we all might have something that actually is our sort of, yeah, our, our personal conspiracy theory. Well, well, let me ask you that. Like, what is a conspiracy theory that you think, sure, right now is crazy, but if it was to be debunked and to be true, uh, you would go, oh, yeah, prop, I knew that all the time. No, is there, is there one? Is there, is there one in particular? I like the "There's no such thing as Australia" conspiracy theory. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. Have you seen that one? There's yeah. a bunch of people in America who just don't think Australia is real. So, <laughs> be prepared for that to come through. Because <laughs> I reckon I've come around a bit on aliens. I must admit, like, I, I, like aliens are real. How do you how do how do you mean you've come around on aliens? Um, I didn't much <laughs> like them on either. <laughs> But I've, um, I now I've met a few face-to-face. They, <laughs> they don't need to go back to where they came from. Basically what right happened is that they, they took the cows up into the thing and you were attached. <laughs> so. I know. Bessie! Uh, no, talk to me, because I, I, like, ever since the footage has come out of the, all the pilot footage in, in the New York Times stuff, I'm like, oh, no, they're real. They're, they're real and they might be here. That's oh, the... They're not here, but well. they're real. We'll, we'll talk to Jesse more about aliens. Wow. <laughs> what, what about the lizard one? I love that there's the lizard people and uh, the royal family are lizards. Mm. I just think, I just think yep. Anna Kerry Packer was a lizard yep. and I went, fuck, he was. He was a lizard. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, I've right. been, I mean, I've been accused of being a conspiracy theorist because I've maintained for many years that there was a two-week period in the 90s where Richard Wilkins wore an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> There's no photographic evidence, but I remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, please give it up for Mel Battle, everyone. This is a rational fear. Howdy, art. <clears throat> Hypothesis. Science is slightly cooler than maths. <laughs> Equipment used for the experiment, my brain. <laughs> Method thinking and some Googling. <laughs> Let's try to impress Jesse. Uh, <laughs> results. Here we go. Science is defined as the pursuit and application of lighting small bits of paper with your Bunsen burner without the teacher noticing. <laughs> Whereas maths can be defined as, I don't know, some about the area of a rectangle. Who gives a honestly? But um, both rely on logical investigation to solve problems. But maths differs from science because in maths you would need to provide your own fire-starting device. <laughs> there are unfortunately no Bunsen burners in maths or excursions or anything cool ever. The most dangerous thing in a maths classroom is the teacher's coffee breath, followed closely by the wrongly named compass. This tool can be used to stab holes in your eraser, engrave your name on a desk or make threats to other children. <laughs> it is alleged that the compass can be used to draw circles also. Sounds like a job for tracing around a cup to me. <laughs> Big compass. Um, that's just one of the many differences between science and maths. Boats are often described as being used to prove observations and model physical process. Maths can also be described if 3 equals B and 4 equals A, what does X equal? I don't know, mate. I'm over here in science learning about how not to get pregnant. Seems a little bit more important, doesn't it? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's throw maths a bone. Sure. Maths is older than science. Okay, big whoop. Not everything old is good. Take my mum, for example. <laughs> she thinks that Instagram stories are being personally sent to her. <laughs> she says things like carpet call keeps sending me photos of rugs on my phone. No, they don't. <laughs> this is a quote from, from Darwin. A mathematician is like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't even there. Oh, boom, roasted. Matt's got that. <laughs> Maths teachers walk home at 5pm with huge old headphones on eating a cheese stick even though they're in their 30s. <laughs> Science teachers, however, own a car and are often able to produce evidence of a partner. <laughs> <laughs> Maths teachers have been replaced by Google and they know it, right? I'll prove it to you. Here we go. So, you know, in maths, you remember back in high school maths when from about year eight to year ten, you just spent, like, 
every day on triangles. All day was triangles. Just triangles coming at you. Every triangle, outside of a triangle, inside. What, you know, what's the angle of a... Non-stop triangles, right? Maths teachers... They, they just love triangles, right? And I checked out of maths. You might have picked up a bit of anger there towards maths in my, <laughs> my opening remarks. Um, I didn't like maths. So what I did was I just gave up and I, I, just did, I didn't have any interest in maths. My maths teacher called me out. She goes, Mel, I can see that you're not doing any work and you've got a test coming up. And we're doing like, I don't know, the angle thing of a triangle. She goes, you are going to need to know this. This is a life skill, Okay. <laughs> And I was, I was in year 10, I was very bold. I said, sorry, Mrs. Muzumechi, I don't mean to disrespect you or your subject area, but what we're doing now with the angles of the size of a little f***ing triangle is never going to be part of my life. She goes, oh, isn't it? Isn't it just... This is what they all love to do. They love to give you an example, don't they, maths teachers? They love to go, let me give you an example of when you would use this, right? And the example is always exactly, exactly the same. This is the example that they give you. Ready? This is what Mrs. Muzumechi said. Okay, Mel. You are doing some renovations on your house. <laughs> and there's a little triangle-shaped gap in the tiles in the bathroom, yeah? And you need to tell the person at the tile shop what size triangle you need to put in that little tile-shaped gap. And you don't want to buy a whole square metre of tile, do you? No. You just want to go down to the tile shop and you want to measure the little gap and work out the exact size and tell the person the exact size triangle-shaped tile that you need. And you won't be able to do that, Mel, unless you pay attention to what we're doing now. Let's jump back to reality for just a minute. That sounds like a problem that can be fixed by putting a bath mat over it. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, if I can't afford a square metre of tile, <laughs> how the hell am I paying for these extensive renovations? <laughs> I think we've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Number three, I also know that if I need a very affordable square metre of tile to have a practice cut on to get my triangle right, I can just go to Frank Walker National Tile <laughs> and for 1995 get a square metre of fully imported Italian porcelain. <laughs> Finally, and I will leave you on this. If I'm ever doing maths in a bathroom, oh, come on. There's only one type of maths that we in showbiz do in a bathroom, and that is how do you split a bag into three lines for four <laughs> girls? <laughs> Mel Buttle, thank you so much. Mel Buttle. Irrational Fearmongers, um... Oh. Is, there, is there something in school that you learned that, um, that you've never used as an adult? We, um, in year nine, for some reason, we had uh, four science teachers in the space of a month. Something, it was like the drummers in Spinal Tap. They all just kind of, <laughs> something happened to them. And I remember on the yeah, third or fourth science teacher, he came in one day and said, it was his first day with us, he said, now, guys, I don't know what's going on here, but I get the sense I'm not going to be here very long. So, uh, <laughs> if I am here for only one day, I'm going to teach you how to uh, memorise the first 20 elements of the periodic table. And he taught us this mnemonic, which was H, Healy, Bebkanoff, Nina, Miguel, Sips, Clarker. Hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen. You know, so, you know. And so he was only there for one day. I couldn't tell you anything else about the three, four years I did of science, but I can give you those 20 fucking elements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you've like never that. used that as an adult? I mainly use it on game shows and <laughs> panels, really. <laughs> Mandy. I found... Um, I think it was geography, and we learned the three different types of rocks. Literally was going to say the same thing. Sedimentary. Who, who has ever done this? Yeah. Metamorphic. Igneous. Yeah. Huh. Everybody knows. What about conglomerate? Oh, is that a rock? No, we didn't get conglomerate. I'm sorry, that's yeah. out. What about uh, Dwayne Johnson? Sorry. I think con <laughs> conglomerate sounds like something you get when you've got IBS. <laughs> <laughs> the, the older people laugh. <laughs> I like that. I feel like that should be how all schooling works, is teachers become like travelling theatre troops. And every, every teacher just does one day at each school. And they go, here's the one thing you need to know. Yeah. And then they move on. That's it. I mean, as a student, yeah. every day you're like, who are we going to get today? Yeah. Oh, Something vaguely apocalyptic. This could be the last day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would be that thing? My thing would be, please pay your taxes. That would, be, that would be it. Well, is there one thing that's missing from the school curriculum that... Um, that, that I think it's how to talk to tradesmen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how else yeah. that tile? 
if you can't talk to the tradesman, you need to drop exactly. your Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's you like... You can learn um, French, German and tradie. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can talk to a tradesperson in France. <laughs> Bonjour, monsieur. Bienvenue. Entrez, entrez. But useless in Australia. Useless. How many coffees? Do you have to let them use the toilet? Do they bring their own water? I don't know. <laughs> When's that covered off? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on a second. I think... I think I can think I can hear something. Uh, oh my god! Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, it's quiz time! So please welcome to the stage the man whose career is going so well. He's yeah. performing his own show, Mark Humphreys! Wow! Oh, thank you, thank you for that generous introduction. <laughs> Whoever you were. Uh, yes, it is quiz time, and uh, we've got some fabulous contestants on stage tonight. Could you please stand up and round of applause for our contestants? Uh, so, uh, we've got a series of questions. Some of them are vaguely science related, some of them with more of a political slant. And uh, the uh, these rules are very simple. Uh, I'll read out the question and a series of possible answers. If you could wait till all the answers are read out uh, before uh, putting your hand up, uh, because uh, that's where all the jokes are. <laughs> okay, all right, we ready? Yep. Question one. If all the climate modelling shows that we should open zero new coal mines to avoid certain death, how many new coal mines would you open if you were the Queensland government? <laughs> Is it A, zero, B, zero, C, zero, or D, 18? <laughs> Anyone? Yes, Mandy? Oh, I know this one. I think it's D, 18. Um, it's a donation pay only one, so it's, it's 18. 18. 18 is correct. Well done, Mandy. And since um, the Queensland government's paying for this gig, as many as they want. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that invoice is going to take a while to go through. <laughs> um, yes, Mel, if you could sort of bulk invoice for the two of us. Much <laughs> like a miner, you just keep digging down, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Let's move on to question two, shall we? Uh, question two. How often is a one in 500 year flood? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I see what we're playing here. You're actually doing pointless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're going to get our podcast cancelled. <laughs> Lewis, please. Um, so how often is a one in 500 year flood? Is it A, one in 500 years, if you ask Scott Morrison? <laughs> B, one in 1,000 years, if you ask former New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet? <laughs> C, one in 3,500 years if you ask Barnaby Joyce. <laughs> or D, seemingly once every f***ing week these days. I'm really tempted Anyone? just to go D again. Mm. Uh, I, I live through it. We got two in a month. Two um, a month? Yeah. So we'll go with... We, we, well, it's not quite every week, is it? <laughs> it's not quite every week, so I guess it is, it's... Is fortnightly an option? Yeah. I think we'll go... Well, except fortnightly. Well done. Thank, Thank you, you, Mandy. <laughs> Round of applause for Mandy. Thank Bogus quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what are we playing He's for, Mark? He's scoring, Mandy. He's right. <laughs> yeah. Every time you get it right, right. you're going to win the I, bogus I, quiz. I think and I need to step back because I feel like I'm, like, hogging the ants. No, no, no. No, sure. no, no. I've got a question for Jesse. You know, you live in LA, LA area. You would have experienced some wild weather lately. What's it been like for a place that never rains to be raining so much lately? Oh, okay, yeah, wet stuff keeps coming out of the sky every day. You get up and there's more wet stuff coming out of the sky. It's really confusing. How does the sky hold that much wet stuff? Where is it coming from? Again and again. Have you been it's filming it and going, these f***ing Question three. Uh, according to the Reserve Bank estimates, what is the level of inflation expected to be this year? Is it A, $8 blue tick? Uh, B, $10 iceberg lettuce? Or C, quarter of a million dollar Bureau of Meteorology name change? <laughs> what could it be? That's hard. Um, it's a one of, of them. Can I find a friend? I think I have someone who works at 
the Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> I'll accept that. Bureau Meteorology name change. Well done, Lewis. I, I totally forgot that story happened. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, Clive Palmer. Clive Palmer. Yeah, mm. <laughs> Clive... still, a big, still popular out here then? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, Clive Palmer spent $100 million to get one senator elected uh, last year. What is that senator's name? <laughs> is it A, Dagnamit? <laughs> B, David Mamet? <laughs> C, Ralph Babbitt? <laughs> or D, his real name gets laughs. Uh, or, or D, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit? <laughs> Anyone? Uh, uh, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. It is Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Well done, Dan. So, just to recap, that's Mandy 2, Lewis 1, Dan 1. Isn't this thrilling? <laughs> Mark, what yes, you, I don't actually know their name. Mm. Which one was it? It was Ralph Babbitt. Oh, was <laughs> it? There's another question here about... Oh, here we go. There's another Ralph Babbitt question. So, before entering <laughs> Parliament... <laughs> it's all Ralph from here, really. <laughs> <laughs> Before entering Parliament, uh, United Australia Party Senator Ralph Babbitt thought... <laughs> <laughs> it's his name! It's his name! It's his name! It sounds like something you get, doesn't it? Like, oh, fuck. I've got a little bit of Ralph Not Babbitt. <laughs> That's all Clyde Clarmer got. <laughs> oh, yeah! yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Before entering Parliament... Senator Ralph Babbitt thought the crossbench was A, the seats between the government and opposition, or B, a piece of fitness equipment. <laughs> I don't reckon he's seen fitness equipment. So I'm going to say... We'll, we'll give it to Ralph, yes, OK. Thank you, Lewis. you, yeah. All right, we'll say that he knew what that Is he was. a real estate agent... On the weekends, or is that someone else? He was a real estate agent, yes. But he's so. he's still, he works there on the weekends, I'm pretty sure. He got he got in trouble for it recently. They really? were like, oh, really? you can't have another job, Ralph. And he's like, oh, I just help out on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, what's amazing is going from real estate agent to politician, he went from, like, second most despised <laughs> profession to most despised profession. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when a real estate agent turned up recently at the, like, turf rally, you were like, oh, f course. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've got a couple more questions. Oh, this one's a little complicated, so you'll need to listen very carefully. <laughs> All right, now, in 2017, then Water Minister Barnaby Joyce approved an $80 million purchase of two water licences. These licences belonged to a Cayman Islands-based company set up by Angus Taylor, who subsequently became Australia's energy minister. Keeping that in mind, how many staffers has Barnaby Joyce impregnated? <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, one. One is correct. Yes, well uh, done, Dan. Thank that you, Dan. we know of. That we know of. Allegedly. <laughs> exactly. I'd actually oh. decided I was going to run for politics. I said, look, it's not about climate change. I just want to have sex with Barnaby Trump. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Just so I can make him lie back and go, you know, lie back, Barnaby, and think of New England. <laughs> Now, we've reached the final question, and would you believe it if I... It's all tied up. Can you believe that? Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's a who am I question, so who am I? Until recently, I was a hairdresser and extremely amateur welder. I... <laughs> Some of you are ahead of me. <laughs> I took on these jobs despite already having a job. I also took on five other jobs uh, of my colleagues yes. while having this job. <laughs> I recently took on a global speaking job despite the fact that I, again, still have a job. Despite all these jobs, I will be best remembered for my catchphrase, that's not my job. <laughs> Who could it be? Three, two, one. Scott and the audience are our winners tonight. Well Yay! done. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> uh. 
Excellent. Our interview guest this afternoon is one of Australia's biggest and best brains. They're a legit NASA scientist. They I'm spent... right here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> spent four years on the Kepler program. Our next guest has made it her mission to organise the universe. She's spent 10 years building and running the NASA Exoplanet Archive. She's a superstar all week here at the Brisbane Science Festivals, playing to sell out crowds all week. We're lucky enough to have her here. Please give it up for Dr. Jessie Christensen. <laughs> Oh. First of all, let's get some basics um, out of the way quickly. Um, Mars, it's not named after the planet Mars, uh, according to Twitter. <laughs> uh, all caps here. Yes, no, I, my mind was blown, genuinely blown. Like, all caps on Twitter. Mars bars are not named <laughs> after either the planet or the god. Uh, they're named after a dude named Mars. <laughs> I feel robbed. <laughs> it's just some guy named Mars and they're Mars bars. Let's also get back to planets in our local area. Pluto, um, it's not coming, up, not coming back as a planet? No, sorry, sorry. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't old enough to vote in the 2000 referendum and I also wasn't old enough to vote in the 2006 vote for whether Pluto was a planet or not. Uh, but they demoted Pluto. It still exists. It's still out there. They've just called it... There's a different bucket that they've put it in called dwarf planet. So there's planets and dwarf planets. It gets to be the first of its kind. Right, right. I can you say that anymore? Like, don't you have to use another word? Little, <laughs> I believe the correct term is little person planet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's where Andrew Denton lives now. <laughs> He's a friend. He's a it's friend. Okay. <laughs> he was a friend. He was a friend. I, I can't, because I know so little about science, I can't tell if you're joking. Was there a vote? Yeah. There was a vote, yes. At the International Astronomical Union in 2006, all of the astronomers got together. They argued for five days. Most of them went home and whoever was left voted. <laughs> and they demoted Pluto in a vote. Wow. You so you, you said you weren't old enough. So how old do you have to be to vote on the planet? <laughs> old enough to be an eminent enough astrom astronomer that you're allowed into the International Astronomical Union. I was still a student. Mm. Wow. Yeah. No, no, it's serious business. So is there any <laughs> chance if we campaigned hard enough, we could get it back? <laughs> I mean, technically it would be allowed. Uh, <laughs> and actually there's a bunch of astronomers who would be on your side, the ones who had to leave. Let's stop the Capitol, boys! <laughs> <laughs> um, did any of those astronomers care that they ruined the way I remember planets? My very easy <laughs> memory jingle saves us naming blank <laughs> the end. <laughs> Many astronomers were very sad, yeah. uh, and I apologise to Thank everyone you. who's personally affected it means and traumatised by this decision. How do you feel about Pluto? Like, uh, do you think that Pluto should be a planet? Well, if you look at where... So, okay. I feel really bad okay. for Pluto. Okay, let's talk about it. So you have the Sun, and you have the eight planets that are going around the Sun. They're all orbiting the Sun in circles and in the same plane. It's like a big pancake. And they're all circles that get bigger and bigger and bigger out from the Sun. Pluto is on a big angle, and it's on big oval-shaped orbit. Um, so it actually looks quite different from the planets. And oh what the I love that. It feels like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and you don't want to be lumped in with all the normies. Uh, so what happened was we started finding more and more of these objects that were inclined and on these big oval orbits, and they were like, ah, are they planets or are they something new? So that's why they came up with this new designation, Dwarf Planet, and Pluto just got, re got kicked out of the Planet Club and into the Dwarf Planet Club. I understand scientifically that classification. I think for historical purposes, uh, we should have just left uh, Pluto as a planet yeah. just because it's just created a big mess. Mm. <laughs> no one's happy. The dog's not happy. The textbook's <laughs> not happy. Yeah. It's just bad. It's bad press. Your, your work in exoplanets, so for everyone who doesn't know, like me, what, what is the term exoplanet about? What does it mean? Just so we can get a definition out? Yeah, so uh, these are planets outside our solar system. Mostly we find them around the other stars in the sky, but we have also found rogue planets, free-floating planets that are just out there floating in between the stars. Probably got kicked out of planetary systems. Who knows why? Um, are they sovereign planet? <laughs> Independent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the great chemtrails, yeah. Huh. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about JWST. Sure. Uh, the James Webb Space Telescope. No, we shouldn't call it that, right? That right? <laughs> I'll call it JWST. JWST, all right. 15 years ago, it was, like, hard to find an exoplanet. Now it's a lot easier. How has JWST changed that for you? So JWST is more of a characterization instrument than a discovery instrument. Right. So Kepler, for instance, discovered thousands of the planets uh, in its survey. But what JWST will do is allow us to look at each one of those planets in, in exquisite detail and actually measure their atmospheres and look at their surfaces in a way that we couldn't ever do before. 
Yeah, and how has that changed? How has that changed your work? Like, kind of what you do? Yeah, yeah. So uh, at the Exoplanet Archive, uh, what we do is keep track of all of the planets that we found outside our solar system and everything we know about them. And so far, we've mostly only known really basic stuff. So kind of how big they are, their temperature, not much more than that. But with JWST, because we're going to find so much more information, we're actually building a whole new environment at the archive to put all this new kind of atmosphere information. So what molecules and what layers are in the atmosphere, and what's the wind speed, and is there cloud or not? Are they made of coal? Are they going to save us? All that sort of stuff. <laughs> <Whatever. laughs> yeah. We're like the bureau uh, for we're, we're measuring the weather on these planets. Yeah. Have you found any that you liked? That you're like, oh, that looks nice. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd live there. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, literally every planet we've found so far will kill you painfully. Huh. Uh, mostly slowly, but definitely painfully. I mean, this one's doing that to all of us already. <laughs> right. so. Yeah, frankly, there's an argument about whether Earth is habitable. Huh. Earlier in the show, kill. we were... Woo! <laughs> 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 I'm giving up keto. Fuck this. Who cares? <laughs> wow. I had five kids. Not a good idea. <laughs> But wouldn't it be a bit like, and this is something I thought of, you know, you think of it, do you get really stoned ever and, like, get on the telescope? Because <laughs> <laughs> if I had access, I would be fully rolling one up and getting on the telescope and thinking about, I don't know if this is scientific, right? <laughs> not not yet. Yeah. It's so <laughs> so I've never had this opportunity to ask someone before. I was stoned when this happened, right, and I was standing in a shadow... And I thought the shadow happened immediately after the object. I don't know, but is that the future? <laughs> do, do I need to be stoned right now for that to make sense? I, th I think it would really help. Um, would you, would you like a TikTok account? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, I was just wondering about um, whether... But do you need huh? to, see, huh? to see intelligent life? <laughs> do you actually not, like, could, you, could we actually not be able to perceive it? That's a, very, a real stoner question, but maybe, maybe it's far more evolved. Maybe we are but dust. You can tell I've taken acid as well. <laughs> um, so, so whether or not we would know life when we saw it is not a stoner question. That is a legit, very important scientific question. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Yeah. Um, we found our new head for the Bureau. <laughs> do you reckon aliens would look at us and go, oh, look what they're doing to the planet and they are killing themselves? Do you, I don't think they're very intelligent. Do you think they would rank us quite low? Uh, you know, honestly, it's probably a phase all toddler civilizations go through. The aliens are like, oh, they're at that point. Okay, we'll come back in like five million years when they've, sorted, when they've discovered renewable energy. It'll be, all be great. We'll all be eating cake with three arms by then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's uh, so fascinating. What's like the most enjoyable part of, of your gig every day? Like, what, what's the kind of thing that gives you a jolly? I get to find new planets <laughs> around other stars. Um, so when I first was thinking about astronomy and what I wanted to do was right when they were discovering the first exoplanets. Uh, and I loved the planets of our solar system, like that you could go outside and see features like rings and moons and, and all sorts of exciting things. And I was like, wow, people are discovering those around other stars. I was just like, yes. It's like... There's this phrase you might have heard that where the generation that was born too late to explore Earth but too soon to explore space, mm. I get to find new planets. <laughs> it's so exciting. Like a whole new world that no one's ever seen before. And I'm like, hey, welcome. And, you, <laughs> and you're like the most prolific woman in finding planets ever. Yes, yes, it turns out we uh, did the math <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, so I have found 66. Wow, well done. And, but, like, that's also, you're in the top ten of Planet Hunters, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm sixth in the top ten. Um, uh, I'm the only Australian. Uh, I'm the only woman in the top ten. Woohoo! Wow. <laughs> I love that Jessie comes from a little town near Ipswich. That's what we were talking about before, and she's gone out and found planets. I guess you would if you were living... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's kind of makes sense. You're from Ipswich and you spent your career trying to find signs of life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Please, God, let it be out there somewhere. <laughs> There'll be a car waiting to take you to the airport. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> There's two types of people, mate. There's people who were born in Ipswich and people who wish they were. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Please give it up for Dr. Jesse Christian Sam. <laughs> that is it for a last fear. Please thank all of our fear mockers today. Lewis, Mel, Harp, Mandy, Dr. Jesse Christensen, Dylan Bain. Big thanks to the World Science Festival. James, Sally, Mal, and everyone who helped us. Absolutely fantastic. Please go see uh, Mandy and Mel and us at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Until next time, there's always something to be scared of. Good night! Your fear is rational.